What a joy it is um, to worship and sing with you folks. Um, and to minister with you here in Fallon. We have so much to be thankful for. Um, every day, God lays out gifts for His children. They're there. And actually, they're there for even the unsaved. They just don't see it. And they give, they give credit to man or something for the, the day, for the beauty, for the, the gifts, for the, the people in their lives. Christian, we, we need to give God the glory. We need to give God praise. And go looking for it. You know, we need to look for that and, and be quick to give Him praise. And uh, don't wait for Sunday morning. Don't wait for Sunday morning on this one. Give Him the, the praise all throughout the week. Share that with others. Well, we are back to 1 John chapter 5 here today. Chapter 5, I want to thank Bill Kristoff for a great job done last week. And um, today we do our best to tackle chapter 5, verses 1 through 5. Let me uh, lead us in a word of prayer here and then we'll get started. Heavenly Father, we bow before you. Lord, this is your word. The Bible is your word, Lord. Please help us to respect this time now. Help me in preaching. Help me in communicating. Help each one of us to not just listen, but to listen and do something about it. Help us to take what we learn and go be doers of the Word. Thank you so much for your amazing plan of salvation, Lord. We thank you for how good you are to a rebellious people. And yet, we know that you will judge. We know that you will bring about judgment because of sin. Unforgiven sin, unresolved sin. Lord, we pray that you would grow your children in the faith, in the things of your word. And may we uh, today just be better because of it. We ask that you would do your work, Lord. Help us to put aside, to, to choose to put aside the distractions. And help us to see what great and wonderful things you have for us. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. I appreciate Dale White coming and lead us in prayer this morning. Um, I told some of the guys this past week, I hadn't watched TV preachers in a long time. (laughs) And I know why now. And not that all, every single last one of them is, is bad, but I tell you what, please, be careful if you're in the habit of watching all sorts of TV preachers, please, you need to stop. <laughs> I'll just say it that way. It's, it's not good. It's not wise because there's so much false teaching. And the one that I just want to bring up quickly here is that this guy was in front of folks in Orlando, Florida. I don't know how long ago it was, but he said he heard from God that we're not to have any more trouble. 
and I'm thinking, well, then most of us, we're out of it, right? We're, you know, we must not be in God's will or something. And it, it's just sad to think that this is, this is the pathway that certain teachers want to take people on and say, this is how you'll have success with God and with life. And that's wrong. Okay? And so it gets back to chapter 4 in 1 John about, you know, we need to test the spirits to see whether they are from God or not. And remember, that's a, that's a continuing thing. It's not just that we, we figured it out and this church in particular, this is okay, so we don't need to test the spirits anymore. No, here in this church, we need to do it. We need to test what it is that's being said at this point and earlier in Sunday school time. Is this really of God? We want to test it. We want to be into the Word and knowing this is what the Word is saying. And again, not to be um, arrogant in that exercise, but to be humble in it. Hungering after what God's given, okay? Well, this morning, we're going to take a look at chapter 5, verses 1 through 5. And do our best. If we don't finish today, we'll get it next week, okay? But today, it is about uh, the, road, the road to victory. Now, if we were to ask any one of you, do you want to succeed? Do you want to do well? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Everyone wants that. And that's a big thing that TV preachers build on. Well, of course we're going through trouble. Look at the government. <laughs> Look at the economy. Well, duh. Oh, this is a real home run here. We're not supposed to have any trouble. It gets everyone's attention. <laughs> well, John continues saying these things over and over and over again. We said that. And this is good. This is good for us to hear it over and over and over again. But this road to victory, as I've titled this message, according to John, I believe it consists, this road of victory consists of four simple steps. Four simple steps. That's what we have in, in the outline, so you can follow along there. And really, they're requirements. They're really requirements of the Christian. And all too often, the problem is that we complicate matters. We complicate matters. And even well-meaning issues, well-meaning authors, well-meaning speakers, it ends up getting complicated. The church also can end up complicating matters if we're not careful. If all Parkside Bible Fellowship is about is, here's another program, another program, another program. You ought to be asking some questions. You ought to be saying, hey, time out, let's talk. Because the church is not a matter of building up more and more and more programs. And that's what we have to come back to. What's the church really about? You know? What's the church really about? It's, it's a number of things. It's not just, you know, we can say, well, it's about glorifying God. You're right. It's about glorifying God. It's about upholding the truth. It's what Paul says to Timothy. It's the pillar of the truth. Okay? 
And the more we dig into that concept, the more exciting life ought to be, really, so that we can come and be edified in the things of God so that we go out today, tomorrow, and through the week to be a shining light and to pass along the love of Christ and the truth of His Word. The more we can do that, the better. And so that's really, to say all that, to say, here's, here's now John's uh, take on the road to victory, okay? So, let's look at this. We're going to look at these four points, and I want to say this. Truly, life is not a game. Life is not a game. We need to laugh. We need to have fun. Um, but life is not a game. Life is likened to athletics in one sense. It's likened to athletics. You give of your best. You play by the rules. Uh, and you finish well. That's what the scriptures even give us as a picture of this life that we're living. Okay? And especially men, I want to challenge you and I, men, we need to step it up. You know, we've got our favorite teams, let's say. And it's because we think they're winners. We like them. You know, well, much more important is the issue of life. And God has given us, in His Word, some simple things to lay hold of and maintain. And so, the more that men will step it up, the more that men will take charge in these spiritual areas, the better off we will be as we look to our Savior, Jesus Christ. And by the way, that's really point number one in your outline, is the road to victory starts with the preeminence of Jesus Christ. The preeminence of Jesus Christ. Over and over again, the writers not only here with John, but all throughout the New Testament emphasize Jesus as the key, Jesus as the answer, Jesus as the Savior. And so we need to know, letter A, who to believe. We know who to believe. It's Jesus. Belief in Jesus as the Christ. We've talked about that in the past weeks. It's not just saying, hey, faith in whatever. It's belief in the person of Jesus Christ. Belief in Him as the God-man. In His true humanity, you go up and you could feel His pulse. You could go up and, and uh, see that His hair was getting longer. You could go up and see maybe the, the bloodshotness in his eyes or something, whatever, the veins in his, in his arms, his forearms. He was a real man. You say, well, duh. But I have to emphasize that because some people don't get it. Some people are still thinking that it's not really um, real history. It's like somehow we still think it's Greek mythology. <laughs> he was a real man, okay? So know who to believe. And John has made it clear that faith or belief is more than just intellectual apprehension, more than just mental assent. He keeps coming back to this, that what he means by faith is it's active, personal commitment. That's what's behind faith. And so if some of you are here this morning and you're just going by mental assent, just it's another bunch of facts in my head, you're missing out on what true faith is. It ought to change your life. 
It's something that should, you know, convert. Here's the idea of conversion. Here's Saul of Tarsus, and here is Paul, the apostle. He's a different man because of what? Jesus Christ. Okay? The preeminence of Jesus Christ. Well, not only know who to believe, but letter B, know what to believe. When the scriptures tell us to believe in the name of Jesus Christ, right? We're called to do that. Believe in the, in the name of Jesus Christ. Most of you know what that's referring to. It's not just, oh, the name of Jesus Christ. Yeah, I believe that. No, it's everything that's wrapped up in that person. Everything that's wrapped up in the name of Jesus Christ. Okay? So, all that he is, all that his name represents. In other words, belief in everything about the person, the person of Jesus. And so we believe in him. We believe in all that he said and did. And we call that his, his words and his works. That's what it is, the idea of having... The, here's the preeminence of Jesus Christ in your life. And John has repeated this truth so that it will be ringing in your head. Christian, you experience victory. We're talking about the road to victory. You experience victory, number one, in coming to faith in Jesus Christ. That was your conversion. When you first put faith in Christ, there was victory in Jesus Christ. There's victory over sin. So, yes, you still struggle with sin, but this, the, the, the whole dominion of sin has been broken in your life. And now you can obey Jesus. Now you can love Jesus. And that was, here's your initial faith in Christ, but not only your, your saving, that saving moment, but now it's the ongoing thing of faith today. Tomorrow, if you live tomorrow... Throughout this week, if you make it through the week, to walk in faith in Jesus Christ. So, the idea from the, this first point, the preeminence of Jesus Christ in our lives, brings us to this, that He is the object of true saving faith, and He is the object of living faith. It's not about what many get caught up in, and that is about the Christian life. We almost, um, uh, you know, emphasize the Christian life more than we emphasize the Savior. Or it might be about a church, that we emphasize a church. And this, you know, this new church that's popped up, or this church here that's really successful. And it's almost as if Jesus now is, you know, well, He's, he's there, yeah. <laughs> But you need to come to this church. Well, yes, we want to continue asking you folks to invite friends to come to church. But it's not about church. It's about Jesus. Thank you. Thank you. It's about Jesus. And you and I, the more we will have the preeminence of Jesus Christ in our lives, the more people are going to come up and say, What's different with you? What, what's going on? <laughs> I, I get into whistling. I, I whistle a lot. I think that's a good thing. And I, um, we had our little 
lunch for um, Claire Marie Ward, and um, uh, it was her last day as summer intern here. And so we went out, and I went out and bought some pizza and brought it back. And I'm waiting at the counter there, and I'm whistling. And maybe it's nervousness, but I was whistling a, a song, um, a hymn. I can't even remember what it was. The guy on the counter asked me, "What? that sounds like kind of gospel. And I said, yeah, yeah. And, um, and I said, and by the way, you know, I'm picking this up for, you know, a church, you know, and everything. We'd love to have you come to visit us at Parkside Bible Fellowship. And he turned and said, thank you very much. Have a good day. Well, at least something was planted. And you might get, you know, and that's just inviting a person to church. That's not giving them the gospel. But at least that we're trying to shine the light. Here's where we want to encourage you to come, you know, and, and so that they can see it's not about church. It's not about, you know, an attendance chart. It's about Jesus Christ. He is the object. And he is, he is the object of true saving faith. He's the object of our worship. And many of your friends would say, well, oh, you know, I, I have faith. You've heard that one. You know, I have faith. And then it just goes off into outer space. What do you mean? Well, you know, I have faith. And they're, they're like saying, I, I'm, I'm one of those good people. I have faith. But it's not defined. And nothing happens after that. It's, it's that old thing of faith and faith. And so, for maybe that's you. Maybe you have just been going along saying, well, I have faith. I'm here to tell you, just to have faith means nothing. The demons believe but they're not going to heaven. They believe in God. They fear God. That doesn't mean they're saved. You need to respond to the message of Jesus Christ, the gospel, and have a living faith, right? And so a question to ask in that kind of time is, well, who do you believe in and what do you believe in? Let's, let's talk about it. You brought it up, you know, that kind of thing. Just enter in. Let's start talking about this. And there are many verses in the New Testament that support this very thought of the preeminence of Jesus Christ in the believer's life. And I want you to mark these two verses down. Philippians chapter 3, 7 through 11. Philippians 3, 7 through 11. After giving in his, his impressive religious resume of experience, Paul boldly states that he counts it all loss for the sake of the church. Nah. For the sake of tradition. Nah. Ritual. Nah. Nationalism. No. Nada. He counts it all loss for the sake of knowing Jesus Christ. And that's, that's the emphasis there. And so, with us saying, oh, I want, I want to really live for the Lord. I want to have fellowship with the Lord. I, you know, I want those kind of, those big general statements, well, it starts with, where's Christ in your life? Is He preeminent? Is He dominating? Is He controlling in your life? What about your thoughts? Your thought life? Your conversation? The words that you use? Second verse to add into this is Revelation chapter 3, 
verses 15 through 20. And uh, it's a letter that Jesus sends to the church there in Laodicea. And he says, I'm going to spit you out because you're neither hot nor cold. You're lukewarm. But then in verse 20, he says, behold, I stand at the door and knock. We use that for an invitation kind of a message, you know, a a salvation message. But guess what? (laughs) He's talking to Christians. He's talking to Christians. He's saying, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man opens the door, I will come in and eat with him and he with me. And that's the idea of the preeminence of Christ in our lives. Is that he would be at home in our lives. It wouldn't be like he's a stranger or something. Okay? Now... Some of you are not experiencing this. You're not experiencing communion with the Savior. And I want to challenge you. I want to challenge you in this very way. About your life. About what's going on. What is it that's feeding your life? And I want to challenge you about this because it's if you're saying you're a Christian then the best way to you know, follow through on that confession is then to feed on Christ. Be taking Him in so that there's this communion, there's this intimate fellowship going on. I didn't say perfection, but there's fellowship going on with the Savior, with the preeminent one, Jesus. Okay? Ask yourself through today, Ask yourself through this week, is Christ preeminent in my life now? And how can I, how can that truth build in my life? Well, it's through the Word of God, through prayer, through fellowship, through sharing your faith. Not just saying, I have faith, but saying, I believe in Jesus. He's the Lord. He's risen up from the grave and He died to purchase your sins, or the pardon for your sins. And so come up with something that you can say in a very short nutshell way to another person to not go on and on and on and have him or her turn you off after a minute. Share your faith in a succinct way. But don't just stop and say, well, I have faith. We have all these little opportunities, don't we? All these little moments. Okay? And let's let's refine things and let's sharpen one another in this way to be able to share our faith because Jesus is preeminent in my life, in your life. Okay? Point number two. The road to victory requires the power of love. Point number two, the power of love. Earlier in the gospel, in, in 1 John, chapter 4, earlier in chapter 4, it says that God is what? God is love. Because that's, a char- that's the characteristic of God, what then should the mark of the child of God be? Love. We know that. We love as He first loved us. And what does love mean? 
we want to make sure we're not going on the emotional-based definition of love. We want to go on the sacrificing kind of love, agape love. Where it's a, the idea of love is that we seek the true welfare of the one loved. That's an important definition. We seek the true welfare of the one loved. That's love. That's uh, here's love. Truly, is a power that God can use in our lives. When you know you're loved, okay, that that's an that's a incredible thing. When you know you're loved. I say that and start getting choked up because I look at you and you've loved us. And you have sent cards and you've prayed for us and encouraged us. We know that we're loved. And we want to say, yes, God loves us. And that, that's what we want to major on. The power of love. And so letter A is to the Father. Love to the Father. In 1 John chapter 5... He says in verse 1, whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God and whoever what? Loves the Father. There's an active thing that you and I should be doing. Love the Father. Whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God and whoever loves the Father then loves the child born of Him. And so the, the, the sequence of these subpoints under the power of love is to the Father, to the Son, and to fellow believers. It's very simple. We love the Father, Christian, because God is love. And we respond to Him in love. That's the idea of living life. And then we respond in love to the, the Son. Now, it's not clearly stated in 1 John 5 about loving the Son, but nonetheless, it's a characteristic of all true believers. If you're a true believer, you say, I love God. I love Jesus. When was the last time you said that to Him? Did you hear me? When was the last time you said that to Him? Do you like someone coming up to you your spouse, your kids, say, I love you. When is the last time you said it to God? And the way in which we say it then leads to <laughs> obeying. If we say we love Him, that means we're going to obey Him. So, um, we love the Father. By the way, Matthew 22, verse 37, where it says, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, and with all your strength. Matthew 22, 37. Then regarding the Son, a verse to put under that point is Revelation chapter 2, verse 4, where Jesus again, warning the, uh, the church at Ephesus, saying, I have this against you, that you have left or you have abandoned your first love. The next verse, verse 5 says, Remember then from where you have fallen, repent and do the works you did at first. That connects back to point number one, the preeminence of Jesus in your life. Let's rally around this, guys. Let's say we need to get back to this. The preeminence of Jesus in my life. The love of the Father, the love of the Son, and the love of 
his children, fellow believers. That's number C or letter C. He's made it very clear again. We as recipients of God's love then pass it along to others. And what kind of love is that? Seeking the true welfare of the one who's loved. That's God's love that we pass along. Isn't that a neat opportunity? Did you think of that? You know, that God would say to you, um, I want you to love this person for me today. I know, it's a challenge because we get caught up in our world, our agenda, our schedule. And we say, I can't handle this now, God. You know, have somebody else do it. (laughs) But he's called you, he's called me to be ready for that. You know, it's what families do. Yeah. It's what families do. Seeking the true welfare of the one loved is the best medicine for mending broken relationships, for strengthening weak relationships. Think about this. Where do most of life's stresses come from? Your stress level. Is it skyrocketing? (laughs) Or is it manageable? Whatever it is. Your stress... Not everything, but most everything comes from relationships. How do you handle your marriage relationship, guys? How do we handle relationships with our children? Is it running off the top of our own head from our own understanding? I'm, if I'm going on that, I'm wrong. I need to go back to, here's Proverbs 3, 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him and He shall direct your path. But that doesn't count for kids, right? Yes, it does. In dealing with your children. So that your children can see. This is how you deal with a crisis. This is how you handle a problem. Okay, And see, this whole idea of the road to victory, you see how practical it gets? Here's the preeminence of Christ in your life. Here's the power of love in your life. You know that you are loved by God, do you not? And by the way we act and live and, and talk and behave, we show that we don't love God. We don't know of His love because all too often we get on our own track. And our old flesh kicks in. And it's like we can turn around on a snap of a finger because we're back at church. And all of a sudden we're, you know, praising the Lord. You're not going to have victory in your life if that's the pattern of your life. So, we need to recognize the power of love when we understand, here's, here's, here's an emphasis on the love of God that He has for me in Christ. That while I was an enemy, while I was a, a rebel, while I was a sinner against His glory, against His wonderful way, He sent His Son to die for me. 
So, if we're not careful in relationships, we can really just see a whole momentum of a mess build up in our lives when we do not exercise love. But when Christ's love, Christ's love, seeking the true welfare of those loved, when Christ's love is practiced, a whole mess of trouble can be avoided. Not that, not that we're going to escape the trouble. We'll have to go through trouble and God will refine you and I as His children. Right? James chapter 1. The main thing is that by loving Christ's way, you know in your heart, there might not be a solution, but you know in your heart by loving Christ's way, that you are reflecting Jesus in the moment. That's what we need. Point number three. We've got the, the preeminence of Jesus, the power of love. And now point number three is the preference of obedience. The preference of obedience. Look at verse 2 and 3 in 1 John chapter 5. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and observe His commandments or keep His commandments. For this is the love of God, that we keep His commandments. And His commandments are not burdensome. So here, point number 3 is the preference of obedience. And the subpoints to it are very simple. It's either blessing, letter A, under number three, blessing or burden. Blessing or burden. Remember that this kind of love from point number two, the power of love, is really proved by here's obedience to God and his commandments. And the reason for the word preference is because every day you wake up, every day you make choices. Every day. Every, it's like, Plenty of choices. And you say, oh, but that, you know, it's just the color of shirt I'm wearing. Well, there's choices. Okay? All sorts of choices that you make in your life. Okay? And every day, as a Christian, you struggle. It's called the Romans 7 struggle. You struggle with the, the power of sin that wants to take charge in your life. That's the old man, the old flesh. Or there's the aspect of, here's the, the person of Satan. Not the myth of, but the, the person of Satan. He, he would love to see you uh, get all tripped up and all messed up about living for Christ. Or it's the world's pressure. Those three enemies of God. Okay? So, the idea is that Every day, as we understand the struggle with doing the right thing, wanting to please God, it's either obeying God, obeying Jesus, or obeying what? The old man. The old flesh. The old fleshly nature. That's what's right there on the scene. And, and so we call each other. It's not just me you know, pounding the pulpit at you. It's we call each other to obey God obey Jesus over obeying the old man. And there's ways in which we can help one another 
As iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another in, in these areas of discipline, of pursuing holiness. That's the idea with these small groups. Your, your Sunday school class, your Bible study during the week, that you are coming together and saying, I want to have victory on this, in this life. And so, Monday night men's Bible study, hello. <laughs> we got guys joining together. Wednesday night, we got people joining together for prayer. You know, some of them will say, you know, I need you to pray for me. I've got a difficult thing going on in my life. But if Christian, if you're kind of wandering, drifting out there on your own, and expecting that to happen, that kind of thing to happen here on a Sunday morning, it probably won't happen. It's just too big of a group. And so, plug in to a small group in one way or the other. Plug in. Okay? So, obeying God tells him what? What? Obeying God tells him what? I love him. Okay? And this is a preference, right? Obeying God sets us free from being enslaved to sin. You know you've been enslaved to sin, yes? You know that. And yet, through Christ, you've been set free. The chains are gone, and, and you need to keep pressing on to live for Him. Don't answer uh, the old man when he tries to rise up from his dead ugliness. Don't answer him or her. Okay? Keep looking to him. Okay? His commandments are a blessing. They free me to live not as I want, but as I should. As I ought to for him. Remember Psalm 19? The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. Old chorus that we used to sing Sunday nights. The testimony of the Lord. And then more to be desired are they than gold. And in the, and in the keeping of them there is great reward. So, the blessing that comes in obeying His commandments. Okay? His, and then verse 3 says, His commandments are not burdensome. Okay? God's commands, listen to this, God's commands are a burden to the unsaved. They are a burden to the unsaved. But love-prompted obedience is not a crushing burden at all. Rather, the Christian finds that his new life in Christ makes it possible. And it's, it's implanted in the Christian to then want to go obey to do His will. So, what are the commands of God for? We're not, you know, not going to list them, but you know, what are the commands for? You know, it's for protection. It's for growth. Okay? So the idea is that you know, God's commandments, get this, God's commandments become burdensome to the Christian when the believer desires to go with the old man. You got that? Then his, his commandments are burdensome. So, we identify what's going on here today, in your moment. And what's going to be the, the pathway? Are you going to take the, the higher path of obedience to God? Or the easier path of obedience to self and old nature? And learn what that's about. The scriptures give it and spell it out to us. 
So, okay, point number four. Point number four is the practice of faith. So, we have the preeminence of Jesus Christ for the road to victory and the power of love, the preference of obedience, and the practice of faith. Look at verse 4 and 5, please, in chapter 5. For whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. And who, who is the one who overcomes the world but he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? So we start with letter A, the, the premise of victory. The premise of victory is faith. Notice he did not say what we overcome the world by is love. You know, everyone get your hands up, love. He didn't say that. And for, you know, the generation of, if you grew up in the 60s, he didn't say it's peace. Peace. He didn't say that. What's the premise of victory? Faith. Why? It, it, it overcomes the world. Because the world, and this is the world system that we are so drawn to, the world system is saying, oh, you know, let's just deal with what we see with our own eyes, with our own minds, you know, and go with, for instance, the evolutionary thinking. That's a, a good example of it. But faith says, no, God created the worlds. I will look to God. So faith is the premise of victory. Okay? Faith overcomes the world because it sees God's plan and walks in that plan. Yes, faith, you know, walking in faith, we can still trip up and stumble. We need to cry out, I, please, increase my faith, O Lord. We need to keep saying that, right? But faith is what pleases God. Okay? Period. Faith is what pleases God. Then letter B, the practice of faith, it's the person of victory. And this is where it comes right back to you, Christian. Look at verse 5. And who is the one who overcomes the world? Literally saying, you practice faith. Who overcomes the world? But he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. So it comes back to the person who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. We could say, well, do you believe that? Say, yeah. Are you living in victory? Well, I don't know. I don't, I don't see my life being so victorious. If that's the case, all you need to do is go back to these simple steps. Here's the preeminence of Jesus Christ in your life. Is that real? Is that there? Is that true? When you get squeezed by life circumstances, does the Spirit come forth, so to speak, with, with first phrases, first words, Oh, praise the Lord. See, I know because I've had struggles with it in my life. What are the first words that come out of my mouth? What's the first words that come out of your mouth? It's a sign of what's in your heart, what's preeminent in your heart. God help us to have, you know, here, here's the fruit of the Spirit in our lives that should come forth when we have the pressure, right? 
let me ask this basic question. Do you really want to live in fellowship with God? Do you really want that? And you weigh it out. Is my life demonstrating a, a struggle, a defeat? Am I defeated in my life? Do I feel like I'm defeated? Here it is. The preeminence of Jesus. The power of love. The preference of obedience and the practice of faith in your life. I believe that you genuinely want that. And you know you want it because over against it is what ends up in falling away, what ends up in stumbling, what ends up in regret. So, God help us. Let's, let's follow through on these steps on the road to victory. He's already claimed the victory at the cross. That's a done deal. Satan is a defeated enemy. You got that? <laughs> he is defeated. He cannot touch you because of the Spirit of God. He who is greater than he that is in the world. And so we press on on this road to victory, reminding ourselves that sin, listen, sin is a passing pleasure. That's true. It's a passing pleasure. And you will get tempted. But remember, it's a passing pleasure. And to keep speaking truth to yourself. Reminding myself that what God has for me, listen, what God has for me through obedience is far greater than anything Satan can offer me. I'm going to say it again. What God has for me through obedience is far greater than anything Satan can offer me through selfishness or sin. So, we need to ask our music team to come because we're going to close our service with an, a very appropriate song asking God to help us to grow in our faith. And it's not just a, a dead-end kind of a faith. It's a faith in the object. The object is Jesus, the person of God, come to this world.